Set yourself a New Year goal, they said. It'll be fun. <sighs> Perhaps swimming in the Irish Sea wasn't such a good idea. Set a more achievable goal, like taking control of your finances with personalised money insights in the Bank of Ireland app. It'll help keep track of your spending, like changes to bills, or you might have too many subscriptions. See your tailored money insights, because your financial well-being is our priority. Bank of Ireland. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Terms and conditions apply. Great. There goes my towel. The Left Wing, brought to you by Bank of Ireland, a proud sponsor of Irish Rugby. Never stop competing. Welcome to the Left Wing Podcast in association with Aldi. Spend €30 Euro in store for a chance to win €50,000 for your primary school. More chances, more prizes, more reason to enter. They were O'Driscoll, Corgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is cutting back inside! Leicester have another! Darcy, O'Driscoll oh. through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, step and score! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's rugby podcast in association with Aldi. I'm Will Slattery, delighted to be joined in studio, as always, by Luke Vistrell and Frank McFadden. Lads, hello. How are you getting on, Will? All good? Good. It's been, well, it's been a terrible week for Irish rugby. It's been a great week for the Left Wing. And as we're part of the Irish rugby family, I think overall it's probably more positive than negative. We've been nominated for extended an award. Extended family, yeah, I would say. Very, very extended. Kind of, kind, of, <laughs> kind of a second cousin's twice removed. Yeah, yeah. no, look, it's... Uh, it's We've been nominated nice. for Podcast of the Year at the uh, Journalism Awards. Well, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, uh, delighted. Absolutely delighted. About it's a uh, lot of hard work from the crew. Uh, you know, we we uh, it's not it's not a two man show or a three man show. Um, as Ferg reminded us, it's now a three man show. But um, <laughs> no, it is, and we've had lots of guests that have helped contribute to that as well. But um, look, I would say that it's been a fantastic couple of years. Um, you know, it's you know been a bit of a journey. Uh, we've had lots of people that have helped us along the way. So thank you to those people. We've um, helped most the two of us. You know, we've been. The, well, we've done, I think we've done a reasonable job. It's always nice to uh, to get a bit of recognition from your peers. So yeah, thank you very much for whoever. Our, our biggest rival is the political podcast from the you know who did an interview with Peter Casey during the presidential election, where he went off on travellers, which became a national scandal and a story. So I think that they're a big competition. Yeah. Well, listen. To be fair, you've tried to, you know... I've tried to sensationalise <laughs> yeah, it, Will. Is that what you're trying your, to say? Yeah, you've tried your best. I have not tried to do that. I just have tried to be myself, which unfortunately doesn't uh, sit well with some people. It sits well with others. So, uh, you know, clearly some people think we're doing an okay job. Yeah, and I think that we'll know we have a chance if you get asked to attend in person. <laughs> then, we'll, then we'll know we're being teed up for something. <laughs> but they don't care if you attend oh, unless well, it's... If, if, you're on TV now. I'm not even on... I'm rarely on TV now. You're on TV more right, than me. Yeah, well, I'd say you, you know, have a bigger name that, out there Well, that's me. true. I'm not going to correct you on a fact. So if I'm invited and you're not, I know we're, no, we're, see, we're I'll, screwed. I'll definitely be going because it's a good pistol. But... Uh, <laughs> If if you get if you kind of get steered out, oh, you, you should you're still really going to the free gigs like the gigs with the free booze. You is should it? really. I'm not that famous yet. I can get away with it. Uh, you, you, if you get if you kind of get steered towards attending, we know that we're really in the hunt. Well, that's a big compliment, Will. But it's I'm keeping the trophy. I'm keeping the trophy if we win. Keep it, Jay. I don't. I've never. I don't even know. I found this uh, 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 a Heineken Cup medal in one of my socks there about two years ago. <laughs> so yeah, that's. Um, I've not. I placed no stock in those things. Yeah. Well, enough talking about us. Now let's move on to. The weekend that was for Irish rugby, I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Alison Miller and in studio by Fergus McFadden as well as Luke. So Luke, another World Cup, another premature exit for Ireland, quarter-finalists yet again. Um, it was always going to be a tall task, at, you know, facing the All Blacks. But Would you say premature? It's pretty normal for us this day. I guess, yeah, if you, if you want to put that spin on it. Um, <laughs> sorry, might as well start with, that's some gallows humour, you know, we have to get, we have to get through it somehow. Uh, sorry, but, okay. you know, ultimately, uh, you know, playing the All Blacks was obviously going to be very difficult, but... You know, we always said when we were here talking at the Six Nations and at the World Cup warm-up matches to heavy defeat to England as well, and we kind of said, we'll only really know what these results mean and these performances after we get to the World Cup. You know, if they use it to build on a good World Cup campaign, it was all about building towards that tournament. But if things don't go well, as they have not, it kind of points to a year-long decline from the high point of 2018, ultimately. Like, what do you point your finger on now at this juncture, now that the team is gone, Joe Schmidt is, has left the post? Why do you think Ireland have dropped so far from the heights of last year? Um, I think maybe they went, they, they stuck with a few people maybe that they shouldn't have and it became too late. Um, I think they were probably relying on last year's performance and trying to feed off that, um, thinking that the same individuals would be able to, you know, deliver 
the same kind of performances and standards, you know, on a very, con- I mean, I think that's a really consistent basis. I, I see very few teams that are able to keep the exact same team year year on year uh, without a few changes in key, key positions, whether that be age or form or whatever it is, and that can keep a high level for a long period of time. You always change something. You look at the Golden State Warriors, they bring in Kevin Durant, or you look at United, you know, they bring in, you know, Yapstam goes, David Beckham goes. But I knew you have to go back in. far from Man United. But I'm just saying, yeah, that's a fair point, actually. But sorry, the point is, Will, is that usually, like, to keep a high level of performance, you have to keep adding in different things at different stages. Um, and I think that's maybe an error. Now, look, at the same time, there isn't a huge pool of players to pick from around. There's probably 60 people who are playing regular, you know, rugby all the time. So, it, like, it is a small pool. So, it is difficult. You do kind of have to rely on your experienced guys to deliver. And most of those guys have delivered for a very long period of time. But I just feel like there's a few of them that maybe they didn't change mm-hmm. around. And as well... You know, I think, um, you know, defensively, I thought the intensity, there was a a big difference from, um, you know, last year to this year. Um, I thought they took less chances and gave themselves less time, particularly when things were going badly. Um, Nearly in every single phase, they were so flat all the time. Looked like they were trying to play like a very much a possession-based game, but doing it under very high pressure and and it was very collision-based. Um, I thought there were just a few things like you know you could pick apart the whole game but look if I was given an honest opinion um, and just from watching the games uh, that was my own view on lots of the things I also you know I would say there was a few individuals that you know we've talked about for a long time in the show um, that didn't deliver on the defensive parts I always always come back to this point against good teams that you're you're probably going to play against if it, if you're playing against a good team you're probably going to play with fifty percent possession and they're going to have the other fifty percent of the possession on the most basic premise I operate on that you know so I always think you know fifty percent of your game is based on how good you are defensively as well so I just don't see I, I feel like there was loads of players built up you know very high very highly hyped um, who just really didn't deliver on the defensive side of the game well against a really good team. Um, I think they need to have a good look at themselves, some of those guys. Um, look, we'll get into that in more depth as we go through the show, but they're, they're my, my, my thoughts uh, you know, since I've gathered them on uh, since Saturday. Yeah, what about you, Ferg? What's kind of jumping out to you? Um, you know, be it just the weekend, which was a very comprehensive defeat, or just the tournament in general, or the year in general, which has seen the standard slip? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough one to take for, for that group of players. I mean, you've got to feel for them, and the amount of negative media coverage, is it, it must be very tough for those guys to take but at the end of the day you know it's a world cup um the whole country's watching and the expectations have been built so high that um the fall from grace has has, has not been easy um i mean i don't know if i'd fully agree with what luke said there about personnel i think that maybe you'd have to look at the structures that were there as well and were they the right ones to have um uh i know what he's saying and you know there'll be one or two guys that maybe didn't have the performance that they would have liked to have, but um, just small things, like certain defensive things we did, that there were there were obviously a plan going into the game, so not necessarily, like even the time that Earls came in, do you remember that they... they the scrum. On they the, went really yeah, hard off the yeah. scrum and came in on the first Big court. risk. That, well, that was a plan. That, hmm. that wasn't them, that wasn't Earls making a mistake or the lads making a mistake. That was a plan set out you know, by, by probably Andy Farrell beforehand and it was, it was probably, it looked like, one that cost us, uh, you know, Reese got out th- outside us and um, yeah, the Bridges went down the wing and he very nearly got scored and then obviously Stockdale infringed and Aaron Smith went over and it, that was, you know, we talked um, last week about the different avenues how Ireland were going to try to pick the All Blacks apart and beat them and, you know, we mentioned discipline, we mentioned set piece, we mentioned defence but also we mentioned the importance of the start of the game and the start of the game just was, you know, probably our worst patch, really, giving away that penalty initially. They kicked three points within five minutes. Then they score the first Aaron Smith try and um, then the second one. And, you know, pulling, getting any team back from that sort of a lead, pegging any sort of team back in a quarterfinal, that sort of lead is very difficult. Mm. But the All Blacks, it's near impossible. So it was, you know... The, the they also start. made a huge amount I, I thought for it they made a massive amount of like really basic errors that just they kind of compounded everything like the handling errors were were really poor you know they, they didn't hang on to the ball 
whatsoever. That's been a recurring team as well, though. Like what? Like um, what's I think that it probably to? ties into the other point about them playing very flat to the line and very collision based. Like there was guys looking for contact. If you look at New Zealand guys, they're always looking for holes and arms, um, you know, to to run through, uh, to get momentum, and everything kind of becomes very stagnant, and the pressure builds because you're getting slower ball off the back of it, um, and like lots of knock-ons. I do, I will say as well, I, I I agree with what Ferg said there. I think you know it's not all the players not delivering, but even still. When they made that break on the outside, like Bridges has nowhere to go on the touchline. He doesn't even, it's not even a step and he just completely leaves Stockdale for dead. Stockdale then gives away another penalty and then doesn't even give it away properly, lets Aaron Smith under him. And then like the other Aaron Smith try on the line, like it's, you don't have a pillar in. Like Ian Henderson just keeps running like, you know, around the corner without checking if there's someone around. And then once Rory Best feels the gap opening up outside him, like he's got to be, you've got to be in there. So like those two guys, like they're really basic errors. Both of those were snipes around, uh, you know, around the rook. So I would say like, yeah, they, they made some defense, the structures, yeah, definitely. But individual mistakes, like you can't miss that tackle. I know Bridges is a lovely, lovely balanced runner, but you can't not lay a finger on the guy basically, uh, you know, when he's running on the touchline, you know, for an international winger, you can't, you, you can't miss those tackles. You have to bail your team out every now and then when you're playing the back. Um, and I thought he like he was really lucky to get away with that knockdown as well for the first penalty. Like I, I thought he had a really poor game again in the and like looking for those intercepts in the wrong channel when if he just made a good tackle on Reese in front of him, it was a three on three, he had a chance to make a very easy tackle. We would have been on the front foot. Instead they go get the penalty. So yeah, I I think like lots of individuals will have to have a look at themselves. Um in that respect, but uh, look, I can't argue with Ferg's point. I do think that was that was a crazy risk to take off a set piece scrum against probably the most dangerous backline in the competition. Yeah, I'll bring Alison Miller on the line now. Alison, I guess the lads have outlined kind of a litany of things that went wrong. It kind of points to a bit of a kind of a systems failure, you know, from defensive plans to you know knock ons to poor execution and attack to, to just there's so much to put your finger on. Like, well, what's your read on on what happened and why Ireland you know have gone out early yet again? I suppose, like, the one thing that, you know, you read a lot that player or people are saying that they're not good enough. They're definitely, this team is definitely good enough to be able to get to a semi-final of a World Cup. I suppose I'm coming from a different angle. The boys have played under Schmidt. But, like, for me watching the last few um, months, especially from, I suppose, um, 2019, we seem to have gone much more narrow in our attack. It's very, it looks very regimented. It's very attritional, as um, the boys were saying there, that they're, looking to try and run into people, I suppose, to use footwork. And I don't know, like the handling errors are just basics, but I don't know, the team to me just looks like it's very flat for whatever reason. And I feel like, you know, the game plan in 2018 was working, but we haven't evolved. And I feel like teams have figured out, you know, how they're going to beat Ireland. The pressure game relies on such a low error count, but obviously we're we gifted... Um, New Zealand possession. Um, I think they're right about defence, but I think this attritional game is so tiring. I just wonder about if you're trying to attritionally break down defences, you know, it's slow ball, it's attrition. I don't know. Like, Do you have the energy to defend if this is going on from 2018, 2019? It just, it just looks to me like we've gone much more narrow and regimented, even since that All Blacks win. We looked at that game the other day. We seem to be moving the ball wide a little bit more. Um, I think, you know, there was a lot of defensive errors, a lot of missed tackles, as the boys were saying, system errors. But, like, I don't know. I just think the team, I, I was hoping during the summer, these the performances, you're look, reading into them that they're, you know, they're training in Portugal, that they've, you know, it's very physically demanding that they're going to peak in time. But, unfortunately, it, it just didn't come together. And I kind of wonder, is there something going on? Bigger picture that, you know, these boys clearly have the skill level, but we can't execute them. I'm just wondering, you know, Smith talks a lot about detail. The boys have obviously played under him, but um, is it is the style of rugby we're, we're trying to play too regimented maybe for the group of players that we have? Um, you know, our style is not attractive to watch even. So, I don't know. It just seems to me that there's a lot of issues there in the background. I think Luke was talking about form. I would agree with him. There were certain players there that have just been out of form. You'd wonder about, um, obviously, players might be training well or playing well aren't getting the nod. Does it affect team morale? I, I don't know. It just looks like I would have had um, definitely two or three different starters the other day. 
And I know as a coach, it's difficult. Do you, you know, try and back your players that they get their form back and they produce it on the day? But that didn't happen. So, you know, trying to balance, um, you know, that you keep faith in a player. But at times, we've probably shown too much faith in these players that aren't delivering, which which is disappointing, really. Yeah, the big one there for me is the style of play because that's been something, even when the team was winning, I remember the players, you know, bristling at suggestions that they were, you know, dull to watch or that it was too attritional or it wasn't expansive enough. It wasn't utilising the skills of the players enough. That's been a criticism level even when the team was doing well. And it's just surprising for a Schmidt like jo- or a coach like Joe Schmidt, Luke, who is so innovative and so highly regarded that he has seemed to have gone with a pretty similar style for the last year, like he didn't change things when after a poor Six Nations, after a poor World Cup warm period, I guess it's probably too late maybe to implement big changes then. But he has gone pretty much with the exact same style of play. Well, from my vantage point, anyway, and and it, and it wasn't working for a long way out. I will say one thing about this, right? Is that I still don't think the fundamentals of the game changed. If you look at what New Zealand delivered on the weekend, they didn't do anything too special. They, I'm telling you, they didn't. I know the try. The, sorry, you could probably argue that the the Bridges try was pretty special. The offloading, the turnover, the two offloads from from you know your back row and and your sub hooker to your winger, like that was class. You know that was really really bit. Of, that was quality football, right? The rest of it, they just deliver on the basics can so consistently. Like if you look at Ireland, they actually had some moves that would have worked really well. That the, the try before half time from Bowden Barrett, Rob Carney takes Rob Carney. He's clean through a hole. Like he is clean through a hole, and he ends up in Johnny Sexton's pocket. Like I, I, it's unexplainable. Like and you know you can see Johnny Sexton going absolutely mental about it. He should have held on to the ball. You know he should have held on to the ball. But he's as soon as he gets that ball, all he's looking at is the outside winger because he knows that he's going to fix this guy. If your if your man looks to go to Rob Carney, um, I think it was Reese in the end who knocked the ball out of his uh, was it with his head. Um, like if he goes, Johnny's through the hole. But if he doesn't. Rob should be through the hole, but he ends up in his pocket. Like it was off. It was a really, really badly run move because he's cleaned through a hole. So like things like that, they, like they make a big difference. That was a, essentially a, a break for Ireland. Um, you know, around the halfway line versus picking the ball up from underneath your sticks after Bowden Barrett k- kicks the conversion to his try. What about the overall so, style? So the overall style is. Sorry, my my point is that. Uh, the original point, sorry, that I was making was that I don't think New Zealand did anything too special. Like even the backline move is something that we've all seen. It was that old Canterbury move out the back, well run but badly defended. Um, and I thought the rest of the game, like Ireland compounded pressure but just not catching the ball and not hanging on to it in contact. Not looking for, not like not putting on a bit of footwork so they end up getting held up lots of times. Um, you know, getting turned over, getting the ball ripped out because there's two guys there and you're kind of exposed. Um, I thought that was a big a big problem, Will. And like if you're talking about game plan, um, I, I would say it's, we're talking about really tiny changes. Like I would say, you know, did they take enough chances in the tight exchanges? If you look at New Zealand, they consistently took chances, even against South Africa in the first match when they were under the pump. They took, they still took some chances. You know, look, they didn't go mad. Like they still kicked it out when they were under serious pressure. Um, but they backed their skills, and Ireland did that in 2018. They backed their skills. It was lovely interplay amongst the forwards, as Alison alluded to. You know, they got to the wide channels. They were expansive to a you know, to a certain degree, and um, you know they weren't like they were, didn't go crazy with it. But they still passed the ball amongst them. I just saw way more of that, particularly amongst the forwards, um, and I just didn't see any of that in the World Cup. I thought they were way too flat. And if you can't dominate a team physically when you're that close to the line. I think it becomes really difficult. Like, and I think, look, you're playing against New Zealand. You're not going to dominate these guys physically. Like, you have to play against them, and you have to be, you know, you have to take a few chances. They take chances all the time, and they back their skills to do it. Um, so, if you're talking about game plan, that's what I think. I think we're probably a little bit naive, and I didn't think we picked some of the right players as well. So, alongside those two things, will. I thought they're kind of key issues for the team. But they're hard for a coach. Bloody hard yeah. to, to get it right. What's your reading of Frig? Like, is there kind of changes that Joe could have made in that regard, <coughs> playing a different way after, you know, the Six Nations didn't go well or after 2018? Because, you know, as I said, the attritional style probably does wear on the players. If you're playing that way for a year, up on year, up on year, it must get pretty energy sapping. Yeah. Um, I suppose we just tried to play them the exact same way we did when we beat them in November in, in the Aviva. And, you know, as we said last week, the All Blacks are always going to go through that performance and and say, this is exactly what we can't do. And this is the way Ireland are going to approach the game because they probably looked at the games after that and went, you know, the games that Ireland have won or played well and they've done very similar things, put the ball up in the air, put pressure on teams on that front, done well at the set piece. And, and in that game in November, 
Ireland probably had the same defensive structure, but I think I said this before on the show that under that system, it's, they go really hard within the 15s, but outside of that, the wingers are kind of off a bit. And if you can get the ball at the edge, you can you can gain an awful lot of ground. And the All Blacks did that straight away. I think off one of their first, um, their first scrums, uh, Savea carried from eight and made a good gain line. And then one more phase, they, they hit the first pot of forwards and then they went wide straight away and just made good ground on the edge. And all day they did. They varied up their game nicely. Then the second half, uh, Mwanga had that nice uh, crossfield kick to Reese where he nearly scored. And then Matt Todd scored um, off the next phase. So just the variety to their play was um, an awful lot better to ours. We, we, I think our players just probably reverted to what they'd been told to do. And, and, and that was, you know, try and be really, really... Uh, efficient and accurate off the set plays that were off scrum and, and line it and um, were you know probably thought that they were going to be enough to score tries and, and I don't think that that was on the day to to break down the All Blacks yeah I don't know if this matters Luke but is it a fun style to play when you're there because you know you you know I know Simon Zebo is no longer in the setup but he's said it many times that he didn't find it very enjoyable to play like for, for backs who want like to express themselves it doesn't seem like a very fun system. Obviously, when you're winning Grand Slams, it's great, but like when it when it, it's not going as well, maybe there isn't that room to express yourself. Oh, I don't know. Look, I think we've got to be careful. Like Zeebs and Joe don't get on, you know. And Zeebs, I I would say that Zeebs is a guy I would look at, and I think you know he had so much more potential if he just opened his mind to you know being like getting involved in other parts of the game and trying to improve other parts of his game and. I would always think he's a guy who could have been so much better because he doesn't train hard. He doesn't hit the. He doesn't go to the gym. Doesn't like going to the gym. So, Joe would hate. Joe, they just there. There's a clash of personalities there. So that's always going to be a challenge for him. Joe would look at Simon and say, like, why don't you just eat properly and train properly? You know, because you could be so much better. Um, and Zebo was saying, listen, look at my try record for Munster. It speaks for itself. Look at how good I am all the time for when whatever team I play in. Um, and there's a clash of personalities there. He's just a free spirit. So I'm not sure I'd be reading too much into that. I always enjoy playing for... Okay. I'm just, yeah, yeah, I'm coming to that if you just give me give me a chance, Will. Um, I, I, I just wanted to cover the Simon Zebo thing sure. first because I just don't know if it's a good example. Okay. I found it brilliant to play under Joe. Um, I think they're probably... Do you know what I, what I do think they have an issue with is that the two guys in the centre that they usually play, you know, it's either a key and ring rows or Henshaw and ring rows. I think all excellent excellent rugby players love watching them play but they don't deliver much to the to the outside backs that I think that's a big difference from when we played in Joe Schmidt's teams with Dricko there or with Gordon Darcy there I think that's a big difference those guys had lovely hands they you know they they made very good decisions I I, I look at our guys I think the two lads have really lovely hands as well though they don't use them for Ireland but so do I. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah but that's the thing I, I, yeah. but, but they use them for Leinster so then you got to go you know maybe as as a yeah, has the mentality changed hmm. from a coaching side of of getting the yeah. ball to the edge and not not as much as he as he used to? Oh, know, look, like it's that, a reasonable that, question because that's the two the two yeah. lads have their hands are outstanding, long passing, short passing, hmm. the variety to that. But you know, they're they're probably playing within the constraints of what they're being told to do there. Mm. Yeah, well, I, com- I completely agree with that. Absolutely, as in, uh, you can see they do it for Lancer. Like we've t- we've you know we've had this conversation forever. Will, um, so I completely agree with that, Ferg. But if you're talking about did I enjoy playing under Joe Schmidt teams? I loved it. You got the ball loads. You had you know Easton and were getting you the ball. You had Johnny Sexton seemed to get me the ball all the time. I had uh, you know Dars or Drico, um, you know getting you the ball all the time. So I loved it. I I have no complaints about the system. I lo- I thought it was very expansive. I thought it was pragmatic at the same time, um, and I thought we were really able to unlock defenses and always felt like a threat whenever we got the ball. So. I felt it was good. If you look at it now, I look at it and I think, well, who's your third playmaker? Who's Ireland's third playmaker? It has to be either... That's, that's why I think Zebo would be brilliant in the system because I think he'd take pressure off the two guys in the centre because for whatever reason, whether it's the system or the structure, whatever it is, the ball does not get to 15 in the wings very often in space. It just doesn't happen. So I look at it, I think, as a back three player, it looks pretty. It looks pretty boring to play him because you don't get the ball. But that's not. That was never my experience in there. Okay, Alison, are you going to come in there on uh, one of those points? Yeah, like I, you know, they're talking there about you know twenty fifteen. Like it's definitely regressed in terms of how we move the ball and how our wingers are used. Like I was just thinking of this at the weekend. Like you know, we have some very dangerous, elusive runners out there who don't see the ball. 
And obviously, if you're a winger on that team, that, you know, like, I was a winger, I would hate that, obviously. I, or any winger would if you don't get your hands in the ball. Um, as you alluded to there, is this something that, you know, the players, um, it's within the system that they don't want to move it? Or, like, they do have the skill level. It, like, there's no doubt about that. But, yeah, like, I was watching, you know, the French wingers were more involved, the Japanese, New Zealand, were... Obviously, I'm not privy to the structure or whatever what Joe Smith wants the team to do, but I just love to see them getting their hands on the ball more if if the system allows that because, you know, we have got dangerous players, but they don't they don't see the ball. It's just, yeah, I suppose it's frustrating for them. It's frustrating to watch. Um, you know, what I don't know what the system is that, you know, can they look for the ball at certain points because it doesn't fit into the picture, maybe? Yeah, because Fergus, nope. you know, you mentioned... Ringrose and Henshaw and their great hand that they have and you said maybe they get different instructions with Leinster than they do with Ireland like because people do watch Leinster play and some of the rugby they play and I know you can't say it's it's apples and oranges to an extent because international defences are obviously maybe a lot tougher than Champions Cup defences but people do wonder why Ireland can't play in a similar style Um, Just different coaches I suppose Uh, and the thing is you know the likes of Earls Stockdale generally wingers that have played for Ireland under Joe Schmidt scored plenty of tries and actually do get a lot of the ball and for whatever reason over the past you know few months there probably hasn't been as an ex- as expansive style of play and I think um, once you get into the multi-phase stuff where guys are having to kind of play what they see I don't think players are as comfortable doing it under that that coaching structure um, for whatever reason maybe too much emphasis put on the set piece plays and it, you know um having to go through everything perfectly like sometimes like even the James Ryan one where he's popping it up to Conor Murray coming around the corner like you could have said James could have gone there but I guarantee you he was told to give that ball no matter what because they're setting up another play to then do another play you know to score off tr- maybe the third or fourth phase so can I ask you think players um this effect in their mentality even their handling that they're I don't know, are they bogged down in the structure? I know Joe Smith is known for a huge, huge level of detail. Is, you know, obviously he tries to, you know, his style is to manufacture opportunities. But, um, like, as a player, you know, does, does that affect them? Like, it's a huge, huge amount of detail, you know? No, normally not, um, really. I think, you know, some of the, the best Joe Schmidt performances that, you know, I've been involved with for Ireland anyway have been... Um, ones where guys have been unbelievably prepped, you know, early on in the week, so then later on in the week, all they have to worry about is their physicality and getting that right. But um, I don't know. I think, it, you know, there's a, there's a combination of maybe a confidence thing as well. Obviously, things hadn't gone that well before the tournament. They started very well at Scotland, and then having that um, blip against Japan that no one saw coming, and then, you know, probably not kicking on against Russia as well, and... You know, even the Samoa game, we probably glossed over, you know, that performance as well. Samoa were out of the competition. Were they really going to be challenging much? No. And it was, well, well the boys did well to put that many points on board with Bundy Aki gone. But, um, I mean, history probably will show leading into the tournament that we, we weren't in the best place. Um, and consistency is probably what Joe Schmidt has brought to this Irish squad when he's been doing really well. And we just didn't have that really. Yeah, because I guess, Luke, it goes back to something as well that we said before the tournament started is about how Ireland managed World Cups in terms of the length of time it takes, the, the the intensity of it all. Like the players were constantly stressing the positives. Like Johnny came out before the New Zealand game and was giving out about the negativity. But like to be fair, the results report, the performances report, people like does that see that must have obviously seeped into the camp. Does it, like that must have contributed to it? If Johnny's feeling the need to go to bat for the team it's obviously kind of looming over the camp. Like It seems like when things go wrong at World Cups for Ireland, it does seep in and they, they, they struggle to block it out maybe. Seeps into everything. Yeah. It's every, that, does, that doesn't change. Like regardless, like no one's impervious to this stuff. Um, you know, I think, you know, you have to, you do have to react to it well. I think they've probably had it for a while with this team, which has made it really tough for them. You know, this, it's been, you know, everyone's been fairly negative about the team since um, Six Nations. But look, you know, you hear there's been all sorts of crazy stuff out in the media from people, you know, associated with the team this week. Um, like, no one asks you to take back, uh, you know, the good stuff you say. 
Um, so look, I, I never really worry about that stuff, and I don't think players should either because, um, you know, it, it's you know it, you can use it as a bit of a fuel. I think you know, and, and I and I think they did fail to do that. I thought, like, I think the right players will use it as a chip on the shoulder yeah. actually, and I know. Johnny probably said that, but I guarantee you he would have been using that as a chip on his shoulder All as well, yeah, going into the game yeah. 100%. And yeah. the guys that have the right mentality in those situations, listen, you know, you can't be riding the wave, you know, on the surfboard when it's top and things are going great. And then when, when everyone's saying fantastic things about you and then expect to be looking around going, well, hold on, what's going on here when you're not performing well? That's just the nature of it. Like, unfortunately, with the interest level, that there is in the country behind the team after doing so well. Um, you know, and there's certain articles and certain things that are over the top, and I completely agree with that. But people are entitled to critique. And they're, if they weren't probably critiquing as they were directly after the game, most people, you know, they probably would have just been lying about what they saw. So, um oh. That's just the fact. That's a great point because, like, like, you know, it's it's people get really sensitive about it, you know, and it's and it's it's really hard. Like you 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 put everything into this thing. This is months and months of preparation, and it's gone wrong for them. So it really hurts when people are pointing at it. Like they know they didn't perform. Do you know what I mean? Um, but at the same time, you need the media to promote the game. Like it, the two go hand in hand. We can't grow the game, promote the game. They can't get paid the big wages if there's no media interest in the game, drumming up kind of, you know, and, and exposing different people around the country to all these guys. So you can't have one without the other. So like, look, I think, you know, maybe there was a... I think there some, are, listen, though, there, there's a fact that there was a percentage of it was over the top. Oh, completely. But That's, you're always going to get that for it. And you're always going to get a few sensationists out there looking for their article to get read because yeah, maybe definitely. they don't have as much in interest in what they're saying but you're probably going to get that the other way as well Ferg when people are blowing smoke up your hole like there's going to be 10% who are doing that anyway talking absolute garbage when you play well like thinking you're absolute superstars mm. like you're going to get that too so like you know I think it probably goes the other way as well where you get people going you know like people you know talking about Joe Schmidt's era like uh, just crazy talk like this has been our most successful period by a long mm. shot we have never been this consistent for yeah. forever like this is, are, he's our best ever coach people are saying that oh god you know what a terrible way for Joshin to finish in his era the guy was the most successful coach ever for Ireland he brought Irish rugby to new levels that we were never at before he brought expectation to a new level and unfortunately with that expectation comes responsibility to continue performing and Unfortunately, we dipped before the biggest tournament in in his Irish coaching career, and yeah, it is a disappointing way to finish. But it shouldn't. People that follow have followed rugby properly in Ireland over the past four or five years should not look at this and go, "God, geez, Joe Schmidt, like what a terrible." He's been amazing for the country yeah. and for the country's rugby. But, he but has it, been, it is. and it's a it's a tough pill to swallow. But this All Blacks team is an outstanding side, and at the end of the day, if you're Five or ten percent off against them, they will do that and more to you. So but they're only they happened. only ended up playing the All Blacks because they lost to Japan, a game that they should have, you know, for our money should have won that game going into it with like the expectation that was there. So it's I think it's fair for people to question the two World Cups because the two biggest losses of his tenure were two World Cups. If you look at that one though, Will, and you have to look at that with a critical eye, there is no team in the world that you could take their best five players out of the team. And they could perform at the same level. It just does. That's just well, okay, not but this. This one, and there's no. Oh, this, sorry, this one is is sorry. This is this this is a bad one. This is absolutely a bad one. Um, but I think uh, at the same time, Fergus just mentioned it there. Like, if you're five or ten percent off against these guys, they'll blow you away and they'll put a big score on you. They ju and they don't let up. There's no let up. Like these like guys, the, like they're twenty two. Like the subs did. The subs did very very well. Yeah. And the lads did very well in that last, um, you know, 20, 30 minutes to score those two tries. You know, we we did very well to do that because mm. um, with Robbie's try and then the penalty try as well, I thought the lads that came off the bench reacted really well. Like sometimes in those lost, games against yeah. the All Blacks, you know, we've been involved, Lukey, in them. <laughs> it gets like, ugly quick. It gets ugly. You know, mm. we were, went Did you just play in that 16 0 one? No. I no. did. I did. Yeah, yeah. We had played against the All Blacks the week before and we nearly beat them. They beat us. Dan Carter uh, dropped over a goal in the last three, four minutes and we had had a long season and our hearts were fairly broken after that and our heads were probably gone in terms of the last, it was the third test of a three match series against the All Blacks and they were only really hitting their, coming into their stride, unfortunately, for the last game. We went down 
um, early in the game, two or three tries, and they put sixty on us, and that's just what they can do. And they don't stop. Like, they don't uh, stop, and we had we had guys coming off the bench that yeah. day who made it worse. But what my point is that the guy I thought the guys reacted really well. You know, um, the likes of Reese Ruddock came on, played great. I actually thought Luke McGrath brought really great energy as well. As well yeah. There was a few of them, and um, that was encouraging to see because it would have been a real shame if if we were we were kept to nothing. Yeah, and Ali, maybe just I, I'm I jump in there. Um, like. I might be going a bit left field with this, but, you know, obviously, Joe Smith talked about the niggles that he had to try and keep under a wrap during the week. I mean, do we know who those guys that were had the niggles and, you know, what were these niggles? And if so, why were they played? You know, to me, that sounds a little bit like an excuse. And, I, like, I've obviously never played under Joe Smith, so I, like, you know, I have no personal uh, feelings toward him either way, but... I actually feel like he's kind of he he. This could be me now, but I feel like he's very different with the media than he had than he had been. I feel probably a little bit more defensive than he would have been the last while. Obviously, he, obviously he's trying to uh, back up his players, but I di- I did feel at times there was probably felt like excuses maybe rather than just saying it how it was that they didn't perform well. That there was maybe always a reason for something. There, there obviously is reasons for things, but. At times, I just want to, like, you talked about the niggles and who were these guys with niggles? And, but, but Ali, you know, we always complain about people actually not giving, like, reasons for, you know, not, like, not giving interviews. Like, you know, do you know oh, sorry, I always feel that. I look at guys and say, oh, you know, they were the better, you know, what, what happened? What, you know, what happened out there, whoever it is? And they go, oh, we were beaten by the better team. So don't want to, like, yeah, you yeah. obviously were, but like, yeah, talking but like. Talking about niggles so, when you get absolutely boring interviews. But sorry, oh, if you're saying that, like, that, I, I think that, that genuinely could be a reason why he's saying, "Look, okay, if you're asking me why I think the team hasn't played well, I did. I think we probably carried lots of niggles during the week, so we couldn't train as well. So that's probably a reason you say. But like, are you saying there excuses or reasons? Are we asking for coaches to actually tell us what they think, or is it excuses? You know, like he didn't mention anything about the game plan, but that's really hard for someone after to say, you know, that they played really badly. When I'd say he's looking at the game, going, well." They couldn't hold on to the ball for more than two or three phases. So, like, what, like, what, like, ga- what game plan? It's out. What, the, it goes what, out the window. Yeah, and I suppose, like, you know, sports now. Every interview you listen to, professional athletes, they are boring because do you know what I mean? So, yeah, it is speak, one. But speak I, I just, for yourself, I, 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 I just, yeah. <laughs> <Jesus> <laughs> I get brain too. I get brain too. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, obviously, but I that is an excuse. It's a reason, but. For me, it'd be like, who were the niggles? And maybe, you know, did they go with someone that they could have gone with someone else? Mm. Like, there was some maybe close calls there. And if so, we've either built depth or we haven't. And, mm. you know, you either back your player, you know. I know it's not as simple as that. A lot of questions uh, for Andy Farland, the Irish team dancer going into 2020. Ali, thanks so much for joining us. No problem at all. Well, lads, I guess that's 2019 in the books. But looking ahead to 2020 now and Andy Farrell coming in, who is in a bit of an awkward position for it because I guess... You know, there'll be a mix of what people want to see in, t- in the next Six Nations. I want to see maybe some new players, some maybe personnel changes that we maybe touched on earlier, maybe a slightly different style of play, more expansive style of play, but he'll also have to deliver results right away. There won't be much of a honeymoon period, especially because he was involved in this setup. Like, it's a very awkward position for him in a sense, isn't it? Um, yeah, I don't, think, I don't think it's an awkward position. I think that, you know, with him taking over as head coach now, I'm sure he'd just like to draw a line in the sand because, you know, the attack shape that he's probably going to bring is, is inevitably going to be different. He's a different coach. Um, and the other, the backroom staff that he's going to bring in alongside him as well will obviously define what way the team is going to go on a defensive and attacking front. Um, listen, I think that, you know, he's he's been he's been back now as the head coach and, and going towards 2023, there's so many good players in this country at the moment coming through on you know all four teams uh, in the provinces that um, you know you'd like to think that, that we'll have a great chance by the time that comes around. But you're right, you know Six Nations does come and and people, a lot of uh, the Irish public wouldn't look with the um, you know through binoculars and go oh well we're actually we're going towards this point down the line to try and build towards 2023. People want to see wins when they buy tickets to go to the Aviva. Oh. Uh, during the Six Nations, they want to see good performances and wins. So it is a tricky one to get right. But um, I've no doubt that he probably will clear a couple of guys out, maybe that have you know been there a long time. And um, 
he's probably you know obviously the likes of Rory is finishing up but you just don't know what way he's going to go otherwise he might he might try a load of new guys uh, or else he might have um, mix and match but I, I can't see him going with like a, a similar team to what you know played the last day it's going to be a, a much changed side you'd imagine I think they're probably going to be enforced on him Ferg aren't they like as in like he uh, this, I, I wonder is this the area where we need to improve where we've always going to like you're always going to say things like which well, is we can't sacrifice you know the team completely or the results completely and financially you know the Six Nations is extremely important to the to the RFU they need you know you need to perform well there you know all that money funnels down towards the future of the game etc etc mm-hmm. right but at some point we've got to say well like what's our goal here is it to is it to do that? You know, is it to is it to maintain a certain standard in the Six Nations, or is it to try and get over this hurdle of, of the um, the World Cup quarterfinal? Um, they've got to make a call on that at this stage. And I would say, um, looking at that, you What's know, the tour next summer, Australia two tests, one test in the Pacific Islands. Yeah, well, that I mean, is that where that you start? Probably, is that where you do the probably, overhaul? Well, that probably leans towards that then. So, yeah, yeah, you probably will. You, but, uh, sorry, what I was going to say for is like, do you start off now in, in like the whatever, so November, or whatever, and Six Nations, or sorry, Six Nations, do you start off and go, right, complete overall? Who can't make it to the World Cup? Who do I well, think you're looking online? at the main man? Like the Johnny Sexton. But sorry, that, sorry, these are the kind of questions yeah. that like you have to, like, so he's, uh, he's by far our best 10 and our best player. Like, yeah, but he won't be at the next World Cup. We so, don't know yeah. that, but like, sorry, at this point, it looks it'd be unlikely. I think you know, like he's talking about it, but it'll be unlikely. You know, uh, he's had a few injuries here and there, but like, what what's, what decision are they making here? Are they, are they going to do this now? Are they saying four years out? We just anyone who can't make it to the next World Cup, we're not going to consider you. I don't think we can do that. I think no, we're too think small we, to no, do that. And also, the Six Nations is too big a, a tournament, and and his, you know, we talked about Joe Schmetz or Joe Schmetz, <laughs> <laughs> Joe Schmitz, um Win percentage with Ireland, very, very high one. What is it? Was it 77%? 73 in, in the 70s, yeah. yeah. I think in, it was in, the, in the 70s, it was yeah. the highest. So, obviously, for Andy Farrell's tenure, he, he's going to want to have as good of a win percentage as possible mm. as well. So, he won't be able to go into, you know, games against Wales, England, France, in, you know, in the Six Nations and try guys with the hope that they'll, you know, survive and do well at test level for the first few times. Mm. He's going to just have to go with... There's going to be, you know, tried and tested guys, fair enough, but he's going to just have to pick guys on form and, yeah. and hopefully that's something that he'll bring as a coach coming in because you guys had mentioned, oh, some guys are, you know, on previous shows, some guys are getting picked from credit in the bank and, you know, that is a, a, a phrase that Joe Schmidt used a lot. Oh, the guy's got a lot of credit in the bank and he's he's done this and that for out and down the line. But I suppose if Andy Farrell's, you know, looking to move forward as much as possible with this model, model um, of, of, of a team that is getting picked on form. And I think that's the best way of doing things. Do you remember, can I actually, because I, I say this quite a lot about about uh, Joe, like I, it was the first time that I'd heard him say that is when he moved into the Irish camp. I remember in, in Leinster, that didn't exist. I didn't think, I really didn't think it did exist. Like I think if he didn't train during the week um, of big matches, he was just like, sorry, if you don't train today, it, you know, and if you can't train, you can't train, but I can't pick it. And he did that with lots of like lots of big time players. Like, do you think? Do you do you think there was a change in the Irish camp on that stuff? Like, uh, sorry, I'll answer it after. I'll answer <laughs> my own question after you answer. But I, that I like because yeah, go on. Anyway, what do you think? He did it with some players in Leinster, but then at the same time, it's the old you know Luke Does, Luke or Ferg. If you're not able to train on Monday, you're not getting picked yeah. for the game on Saturday. Whereas you know Johnny Dricko, etc. You can train on Friday and you're still going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did he? Oh, I yeah. felt he like, was he more was always, there, was always, there was always a pocket of guys that he was, but probably probably more so with Ireland. I remember Doris. Yeah. Doris got it a lot when he didn't train. Like, I remember Doris had a few times where he was like, you know, he was, oh, I'm, a little, I'm a little bit tight today. Like, he was kind of a tight muscle guy anyway, but he'd be like, oh, I feel a little bit tight. If, if it goes here, I'd be like one of those ones. You'd I be think kind of though Joe did have a few guys that he did dress through, like the likes of Shawnee Dricko, <laughs> like you know. I guess you can probably get away with it a bit more, Leinster. Do you think maybe there was more guys in the Irish? Camp? I felt like there was more people in the Irish camp in smaller windows, um, where you you know training actually is seriously important to the Irish team because you've so little time together to get it right. Mm. Um, like I felt it nearly had a, a bigger impact not picking guys who weren't training all week or not. not not picking guys who were playing on form in the short term. Like I, I feel like that's a 
big risk to take. I actually think the results get worse for you. Like in Leinster camp, you're together all year, or in Ulster, wherever that, whatever place you are. Like, yeah, it's it's kind of easier to fit in because it's the same mm. game plan, and you're doing it like from whenever mm-hmm. you meet up in June to the end of the season in May. Whereas the Irish camp, you know, you're in end of January, you've got two weeks, your second week, you've got a match against an international rugby team. So like if you're picking guys on previous, I think it's a more dangerous strategy there, even though it probably seems like a safer one. Um, would be my view on that. You have to get really lucky with guys not getting injured before it or throughout the campaign um, to, to be really kind of, to have not tr- tested anyone else out. Um, and I think that's probably where they ended up. And they ended up in a situation where they had to have certain guys on the pitch because they hadn't really, they didn't, hadn't built up the trust in the other guys in the big games. Mm. Just as, I don't know, that's my, I thought that was something that's a bigger, that's, that's a, it's, it's, it looks like a safer policy, but it's actually not a safer policy to it's not pick the It's a good point about it being riskier because there's, le- there's a smaller there's less time, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, another issue maybe Andy Farrell will have to consider is the policy on overseas players, which up to now has been bar Johnny Sexton extremely strict. Like, if you're not in Ireland, you shouldn't be able to play. I saw Simon Zebo already getting into the media saying he's willing to take a call from Andy Farrell. <laughs> but he should have been at the World Cup. But this is the point, like, for you two, like, yeah. would you lift that policy? Would you pick anyone and everyone? It's hard to know. Um, I mean, you look at the, the Scots. Obviously, have lived don't have that, and the, the likes of Finn Russell, Finn, Finn Russell, and and, and Hog is gone. Yeah, Hog is gone. Laidlaw. And Laidlaw, of yeah, course. yeah, and and it hasn't exactly done wonders for them. So I don't know. It's it's a it's a really tough debate to have. Um, you know, the, the the rules are bent for Johnny um, because Johnny was so so important to Ireland, one of the best players in the world, still is. Um so I, I can I can see where some players that have gone away might go, Well why why him and not me? You know, that's mm. just that's a natural thing to be um it knows away a bit of the principles, doesn't it? A bit like I think it knows away a bit, like because. But it can, it's just a bit. I'm sure it's just for the likes of Zebo for some for him to stand so hard, you know, against Zebo, but then mm. for Johnny there was never really a question asked about it. So it's a tough one. Um, yeah. But it's it's different priorities. I mean, it's the, Joe Schmidt's priority was Johnny, and maybe it just wasn't a few other people. But um, I, I don't know. See, the problem with that is uh, Will is that. If he, if Andy Farrell does lift it, right, um, loads of guys are going to go because the World Cup isn't for four years. So guys are going to go, I can earn, you know, another 50% on top of the salary I'm earning in Ireland and go away mm. to different places, go to France, go to England, go um, lots of different places around uh Japan, around. I'd say, would be a good place to go. Come back with a year Maybe even that and, 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 and fill the bank account up you know, it's a short career. Mm. You know, guys have to look after themselves as well. So if it was lifted, just the lack of control he'd have then over players, player welfare in terms of how many games they've played. Mm. You know, even when Johnny was being allowed to come back and play f- for Ireland when he's um, being played at Racing, he- he'd go back um, for a weekend after in the Six Nations. He'd play for Racing straight away. And mm. that's not good for certain players. It doesn't suit some, it suits some guys. It doesn't suit every yeah. player. And I think... Um, for the likes of Johnny and, and your marquee guys, you want to keep them rested up so they're really raring to go for the bigger matches during that period. Yeah, I the reality of it, Will, is that you can't compete financially. That's the, like, as Ferg is exactly alluded to. Like it's And once you break it, you can't really ever really go back in a car. Yeah, no. It's very hard to bring back in once you've broken it. So mm. these are all considerations that the IRFU, I'm sure, they've gone over it countless times and maybe they will be going over it again with this new coaching team. Yeah. It hurts Zebo. Zebo hurts the team not being, he like, it, that really hurts the team. Like he, he would have been 100% starting. He, the, the worst part for him is that most while he doesn't like to, like he's not a good trainer um, and that he's actually a brilliant player. Like, and he's great under the high ball. He's an excellent kicker. He's got lovely hands. That third receiver I was talking about that Ireland need, he could be that guy for them. You know, so uh, like that one looks like he could even be as important as Johnny was at, at this point in time. I'd know? say this is 0% chance they lift it. No, they won't. They yeah. can't compete financially with Just won't. It's not going to happen. They've decided that, you know, the, the strength of the game here in terms of the provinces, really important to keep your key guys here. It keeps the interest levels yeah, high. It keeps everyone engaged. Sorry, I thought you were saying it was up for debate. I didn't. No, I say, well, it is up for debate. I just don't think they'll do it. It's up for debate yeah. in, in pubs and here, but uh, yeah, I thought the RFU no would probably, yeah. No, no chance. They yeah. just, you lose that control over the guys and at the end of the day 
you know, Andy Farrell will be going around now once he's head coach to the different provinces, seeing what they're doing and hopefully picking up nuggets of knowledge from the stuff that's working within Ulster, Connacht, Munster and Leinster and, you know, keeping in touch with that, that S&C staff, staff going, is the guy working hard? What are his scores? Send them through to me, his GPS, his injuries to the physio. If, if you got sent over to France, the likes of Toulon, do you really think their S&C guy is going to be emailing you what, what they're up to? Mm. They don't even know what they're up to them, themselves, I'd say. I'd yeah. say it's, it's all over the place over there. So the French team can't even get the, result, the, the information from them. Remember yeah. Bernard Jackman was saying that? They yeah, couldn't so, get the... So didn't that's, know how that's long probably the, the last thing that, mm. that Andy and, and the rest of the Irish coaches are going to want. So... Mm. Yeah, the structures worked really well for them. Like we've been really, really successful with it for a period of time. We always talk about Irish teams not having consistency. They think it'll be actually be also a shame for the, the rivalries within the provinces oh, because time, if the yeah. best players go away, you know, are the rivalries as deep? Do they, you know, those big massive matches? Yeah. You want the, you know, the Ulster Monsters, Connacht Leinsters, Leinster Monsters. Mm. Like they're the, the games that the fan base want to see the best players in the country playing and, and when those players are over in France, England, wherever, um, it doesn't really make those games as appealing. They need to play them in them as well though. That's been my big, big complaint yeah. for me. Like, but you're saying, go on, on, sorry. On the structures, like you say, how successful it's been, but if the World Cup continues to be a failure, like, you know. Depends on if the, whether this is, comes back to our question. Is it like, like yeah. what do you do? Is, are they, like, do you say at this point, well, is the World Cup our focus? Is it actually our focus? Or is it actually the Six Nations? Oh, I can't answer that honestly off the back of, you know, some of the some of the policies around it because I think, you know, do you have a complete overhaul of lots of your positions? Like, I think most people who would have, a, you know, a, a target of four years would probably change the, you know, the age profile of the team. Is Now is the time to do it. Give mm. them as much exposure as possible. Um, you know, the guys you think can compete physically and have the potential now's the time to do it like it's not in you know a year out when we're saying Jesus how well is Jordan Larmer playing or how well but Jesus has he had enough time there can we trust him Conway both of those guys played brilliantly throughout the competition Dave Kilcoin brilliant throughout the competition brilliant for Munster all season Low, all these kind of guys you're saying well have they played enough rugby the time to play them was two or three years ago when we were mm. winning them so like you have to make a decision you know what's more important to you um, you know, and I don't think the two are, look, while I say that, the two probably aren't mutually exclusive. Um, but I do think at this point now, you're probably saying, well, like, who who can we take to the next one? Like, give them as much time to be a regular starter between then and now, it would be my view. But mm. and I, I don't know if I'm right on that either, lads. And jumping off that one, lads, it's going to be need to be a New Ireland captain. Roy Best is retired. There's been an argument for James Ryan. There's been an argument for maybe Johnny Sexton or Peter O'Mahony and other statesmen. Who would you like to see? Or who do you think, or either think or would like to see captain the team for the Six Nations? I'd love to see Johnny captain the team. I think, you know, I think he was probably, you know, just unlucky that Rory was going so well as captain for the team. I think that Johnny was an outstanding leader uh, last year for Leinster. He showed that and... Um, you know, he also showed it in the game against uh, Samoa. He uh, he scored the, the two tries and had an outstanding performance again. Yeah. I think that, you know, down the line, the likes of a James Ryan will definitely be the next Irish captain going into whatever it is, uh, 2023. But the Six Nations, going back to the original point of are, we, are they going to try different players in Six Nations, this or that, I think it's it's too important a competition. I think that James is, is a, an amazing leader and he will be one for the team down the line, but I think the next in line to Rory was, was Johnny and I'd like to see him captain, definitely. Yeah, because it's just funny just before I get your opinion on it, because if you think back to the previous cycle, like Brian Driscoll was playing 13 all the way up to the World Cup and then left a year before, which left them, you know, scrambling to kind of find a new outside centre really short notice so you do have oh. to get that balance right about how long you keep some of these even if they're legends if yeah. they can't play in that World Cup how long do you keep them in the squad yeah but look again just to, to tie off the point I don't know if I'm right on that yeah. I'm just saying like have they thought about it I'm sure they have uh, Ferg I think makes a great point like the Six Nations is the bread and butter it's such an important competition for lots of different reasons right so I'm not saying I'm not I'm just, we're talking ideas here, you know, is how do we get this thing right? How do we get to a bloody semi-final eventually? Um, to, to answer the question, the captaincy, yeah, like, you know, Johnny Sexton, uh, I think at this stage probably is, is will be the, the leading candidate. Uh, he's still the best player on the team. 
Um, you know, uh, Peter Mahoney, good candidate too. Uh, couldn't argue against that, but although it looks like he's in a bit of a, a dogfight, I think, coming into the next competition with, with Reese Ruddock for that six slot. He was excellent at seven, but, you know, I think he'll have to be in the team somewhere. Um, but does he need to get that sorted before he kind of heads to the captaincy thing? And to touch on the James Ryan thing... Um, I'd say it's just a little too soon now. Uh, I don't see any reason why two years out is probably not a better time to reassess this thing and say, well, look, who's going to take us to the World Cup? Um, I would say that kind of time frame fits very nicely with Johnny. You know, see, and in, we kind of and in that period, they'll still be learning off one of the best leaders of mm. our generation. And I know that he only captained Ireland weirdly, like officially for the start of the week for that Samoa game because mm. I think he was interim captain when people went off mm. for Ireland before. But you know, you've been in change rooms great, with Johnny great guy, yeah. for big Very games well for Ireland and for, for Leinster and mm. he really is one of the best leaders I've come across from the way he acts on the field and off it so yeah. um, he lives it like he properly yeah, he, lives he, the game he's got to be he's got to be the next captain I think mm. Mm. so we've pretty much covered all things Ireland let's just finish up on a quick look at the semi-finals predictions for me lads because we've gone fairly long so we don't have time to delve into it too much but England, New Zealand West, South Africa uh Two intriguing games. Obviously, we'd prefer if Ireland were in it, but England-New Zealand is probably the next best thing. It's a really fascinating game. Yeah, but they have the best chance of anyone in the competition of beating them, I think. Um, I think they've got the fitness levels. They've got the individuals to cause them trouble. Um, they have belief. English guys always have great belief in themselves. Much we slag them about it, and it works against them in lots of respects. They've great belief in themselves, and they do perform usually in the big competitions at World Cups. They've been pretty consistent all the way through. So, great game. Uh, I think the All Blacks are legit. But I think that's going to be a bloody tight one, and um, this will be the. I think that kind of is the final for me. Uh, I know South Africa are good, but they just don't have enough. I don't think to beat New Zealand on the big on the big stage. So I still, my my, you know, who I selected at the start, still, you know, New Zealand. I thought they'd be a nightmare for us to play against. I thought South Africa would be a way better draw for us. Um, I think New Zealand put in a tight one. The other one bloody tough to call like um, that's going to be a cracker two very physical teams I do think Wales need Johnny Davies back and they were lucky enough to get away I mean that could have been hairy enough there against France for that a was bit. a forward pa- like that strip went forward I, t- I thought uh, that, that was that was crazy that was, sorry, sorry, <laughs> so he throws the intercept and the, that tight game against Wales in the Six Nations crazy one as well that, which in the end cost a match well it Wales won the Grand Slam off the back of that that was yeah. a game it was the second third match it wasn't going well it didn't look they were going to win a wet day he throws that loopy pass and then he does this but he God for the coach he must be and even by French standards like I know they see some mad stuff over there they must have just been like come on he in the first half he has an unbelievable game scores a try actually unbelievable engine for that game as well I thought he was going really well yeah. then that mall in the second half, like Dupont, it wasn't even Dupont broke like off sneaky the, if, you know, but if you look back in the footage of just after it happened, Dupont broke off the mall and was about to either run in himself or or give it um, to the winger to go in in the corner, which would have been another seven points. <laughs> and for Mahina does that, like it's just it it cost him the game. Bungalow. Um, but I th- I actually think that he retired. Ah, what? listen, he should retire. He retired from that. French retired, for international yeah. rugby. Yeah. What age is he? He's twenty eight. Only twenty eight. Look. I don't know. Uh, it's 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 jump before your boss. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. It was, tra- it was tra- that was crazy tragic stuff. Enough. Though. Come on. Like. But I think that um, I think South Africa are actually going to win that well enough. I think they're going to win by ten points or so. And I also think that uh, New Zealand are going to win by ten points or so. I think that Australia were were, were ragged in that match. They that, like, and I know it was was. It was still in the mix until Sinclair got that try after half time. But there was just so many parts to the Australian game that were just giving England avenues in. And I, New Zealand aren't going to do that. Also, I think that the defensive structures that England also have, it, they, they come up very hard, but they leave space in the edges. I think the All Blacks are going to pick that apart. Um, so I think two comfortable enough wins for, for both South Africa and New Zealand and last thing that I saw you tweeting about it earlier the Jacko Piper uh, photo, photo oh, gate oh man like come on like what is going on like get over like it's a silly photo with some fans and the guy is like I and actually don't rate him not much. even a lewd photo no but in <laughs> fairness like, but sorry, we're, like this guy's worked for four years um, to get to this point and we're denying him an opportunity because of, he does a silly he's photo a, with some fans I know it's not professional I, I, I do get that right I, I get it it's extremely unprofessional but come on like it's not that unprofessional it's I a bit it of a is. laugh if having a few beers with guys after it's just it, there's no way he should be denied an opportunity like, it was a clear cut 
elbow to someone's face. He had no choice but to send the guy off. Like, it doesn't change anything. Yes, he's having a bit of fun with some Welsh fans. But Jesus Christ, like, have a have a sense of humour. Like, don't ruin the guy's career over it. Like, this, like he mightn't get another World Cup. It's another four-year cycle. He's a really him. bad rev. I agree with that statement too. <laughs> but That's still, the he's there. Man, Piper listens to this show, mate. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I think it's, it's a disgrace. the best thing treated. to ever happen to World Rugby for him to take that photo. Just to get him out of the firing line. I think he even throws it. I think he's... it in. <laughs> <laughs> I leaked it. <laughs> uh, look, I will say, I feel really bad for him because, look, if, he's, if he has an opportunity to be involved in one of the biggest games in World Rugby and he's been denied for a stupid photo, God, like, get over yourselves. Like, France can't have no complaints about that decision. Like, that's a clear-cut red card. Get but over hold on. it. Sometimes players, and I, I know what you're saying about have mm. a sense of humour, but at the end of the day, you know, a lot of the public and, you know, society in general... Like with when it comes to social media and that type of stuff, don't really have a sense of humor. It's you know? terrible, though. But listen, the players, like the, the refs, obviously don't have the same responsibility off the field as the players. But it's not com- getting far off because if you got the likes of Nigel Owens, who has such an opinion and is heard by so many people, he's got to represent himself in a certain way off the field. So, mm. you know, when players yeah. are responsibility have responsibility for this way that they act within bars and in social settings, you know, w- w- there's an argument there that 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 they should as well to a point yeah, yeah I completely agree I, look I do agree it's very I, harsh no, listen, I just think it's, very, it's really not, harsh like not, for, for one of these ones like, like geez, for having a bit of a laugh with a few guys there's no way he thinks it's gonna correct <laughs> correct correct but the fact of the matter is like I just don't see why you torpedo a guy a big opportunity because of some city photo it's not like he's doing anything too bad he's taking the piss with a few Welsh no, he supporters he should get off definitely I just don't think I think yeah. he, he might get done for it because that's just how things are yeah days, it's terrible social media. Yeah. Well, a bad week for Jacko Piper a worse week for Irish rugby uh, Luke, Ferg, thanks for joining me. That's all we have time for on the left wing this week in association with Aldi. We will be back next week with another podcast. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thank you for listening and goodbye. The left wing podcast in association with Aldi. Spend 30 euro in store for a chance to win 50,000 euro for your primary school.